This is episode number 246. What is your relationship with money? With Jen Fontanilla. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming conversation that takes place every single Friday, which is a part of our weekly series called Survive to Thrive, Attitude of Gratitude. What this is, is a series of conversations where we explore the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and relationships, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details about our upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work. And that is, if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by making a contribution through our website or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Jen, how are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? I am well. Long time no see. <laughs> I know. So nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, you're correct. It, it was summer that introduced mm-hmm. me. Yeah, summer is amazing. I, I think her and I have been connected for however many months by now, and she's always been very supportive. And I always appreciate just the different connections and value that she's able to provide in one's life. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, she's, she's incredible. I, she's my co-host partner. So I yes, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now the two of you also have a different show, correct? That you do together? Yes, we do. It's called the Life, Love, and Money Show with Summer and Jen, and we do that every Thursday. So, um, talking about all matters with relationships, love, life, obviously money, because a lot of it's interrelated. So, uh, really, really great topics, and so that's what we do every Thursday. That's awesome. Well, I guess it couldn't be a more fitting conversation to have something like this, as far as what is your relationship with money, and yeah. I figured that the best way that maybe we can even approach this is by choosing to tackle the question at hand. When did you first become aware of your relationship with money? And what did you start to view money as? Yes, that's interesting. For me personally, it's one of those things like you you mentioned, like, you know, what what is that? What is, you know, your relationship with money? You think about it. I know when we had talked earlier, it's this thing that we go through when we learn these tools and these exercises. And I find that it sometimes becomes this afterthought. You mm-hmm. go through experiences, right? You you grow up and you just go about your life and you don't really think about things consciously. And then you get to a point and then you start realizing, especially when, especially as coaches, and you know this, like, you know, we, we learn so many different things for so many different people. And then we have to like reverse engineer things. <laughs> so for me personally, what's interesting is so I've been in the financial space for over 16 years, but a lot of that was just on the logistics side. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, it's you learn, okay, what are mutual funds? What's a budget? How do you do a spreadsheet? How do you create short-term, mid-term, long-term goals, right? All those things, not that they're bad, but that's what the financial space tends to only look at. And it wasn't until recently, in the more recent years, after I got out of the advisory role, I realized, wait a minute, there's so much more to this. There's a different side of this that we don't realize that we need to talk about. And so for me, it wasn't this conscious thing that I knew from the beginning. It was, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I've never thought about this. How do I feel about the money? How do I react to this money? Where, Where did it come from? So for me personally, it wasn't until like, you know, a couple years back that I, you know, you've been going through it, but you didn't realize I, there, you have a relationship with money. <laughs> so like I said, it's this thing 
thinking about like reverse engineering and having to go back to the beginning. And when I say beginning, I'm talking about like as far back into your memory banks, your childhood of the earliest recollection and memory that you had with money. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine recently mentioned the same exact thing. Him and I were having a conversation and he said, go back throughout your child, not even childhood, but just recent days and try and understand how people position money in your life. You know, how it was told. And I, I started going back and I started to realize that many of the phrases that I was, that were my foundation was that don't become rich. You know, everyone that's rich isn't a hole. And, you know, money's evil. Money's the root of all evil. Yeah. And I, I started to realize that I think money for me, it's more of a resource. You know, it's it's an exchange of energy. It's a, I'm still at the very beginning stages of understanding this, the way that I'm describing it. So it, it's more of a practice that I'm developing around it. But I'm starting to realize in that once I was able to shift the lens and no longer look at it as, man, I have to get more of it because... I even changed my um, expense spreadsheet. Wow. I even changed the name from like monthly expenses to uh, a friend of mine suggested this to me. He said monthly appreciation list. I love that. That is so powerful. That's mm -hmm. actually a good tool for everyone listening yeah. to follow suit what you just suggested. That's great. Yeah. And, I, and I, I noticed that in changing that, when I approach it now, I have a very different relationship to all of the different items. Like I no longer look at it and it's like, damn, another car bill to pay or like another, you know, but like truly it's, it's a form of energy. And I'm looking at these things and having experienced everything that I have in Texas here recently. It's like even the form of utilities, mm. I'm, I'm becoming a lot more appreciative of them. And I actually took on your challenge and I'm going to publish it either um, today or tomorrow. And I wrote myself a letter. Oh, dear, dear money. Um, yeah. I'm going I'm going to try and find it here. That. Yeah, I'm going to try and find it here quickly. But um, I'm wondering if you could briefly kind of tell the story about why did you choose to do that? Because you you were one of the first people that I saw that actually wrote a letter to the concept of money. And I'm wondering, A, why did you choose to do it? And what was what has been the impact since? I think for me, for for. The basic thing is it's different. This thing is such a, like you said, if you're new to it, I'm barely new to it. It's not like I've been immersed in this in for decades. I'm definitely longer on the logistics side. But for me, it was becoming aware and awakened to, again, there is a relationship with money. You hear these phrases, you grow up, you know, whatever you heard from your mom or your dad or teachers, whoever was around you, and you have no idea at that time that it's 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 going into your subconscious mind and the patterns that you will start to eventually repeat you just don't realize it and then as as the years go by you become you know you, an adult and then you realize okay uh what's going on here mm -hmm. and so this whole exercise of writing this letter is so powerful because when you write a letter it's 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 just it's as if you are personifying money, not in an idealistic way, right? I'm not saying that, but it's to shift the perspective. I mean, even as simple as what you did, renaming the spreadsheet, mm -hmm. right? All of a sudden you realize even energetically, emotionally, you feel, you feel differently. You're looking at it differently. And those little things have such an impact on how you're going to approach your bills, how you approach looking at purchasing things. It doesn't have this heaviness. Like, how do you feel now? Do you have this different lightness to it? Like a different appreciation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. And I, I even think as I wrote the letter, dear, I'll read this to you. So I, I crafted this into a form of a poem. Because for oh, me, just cool. like poetry, just it, it has that much more of a frequency or energy that comes with it. And so here it goes. Dear Money. For years, I didn't understand your value or why you existed. The more I thought about what is my relationship with you, the more my thoughts became twisted. I used to worry about ways our paths would cross. When I thought of you, it was coming from a place of lack or a loss. It wasn't until recently that I started to look at you as a resource, a resource that comes into my life while following its own course, a resource that I appreciate deeply as it allows me to live the life I aspire, 
a resource that I now genuinely value, better understand, and admire. Today, I choose not to be attached to the exact ways our paths show cross. Today, I choose to look at you from a place of abundance, not a lack of or a place of loss. Today, I choose to change your name from monthly expenses to monthly appreciation list. Today, I choose to acknowledge your powerful presence as I have a better understanding of why you exist. Oh my gosh. I have so <laughs> that was I got so much to say about that. I'm so glad you brought this thing up about the letter. And so for let's go back to your question. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why I think this is so powerful is because when we talk about the relationship with money, and I was briefly explaining, it's like we're personifying money as a person. Mm-hmm. And when you think about all these negative things and phrases that you've heard in the past growing up, like, you, see, you know, imagine here's money and you're talking to money. And let's say it was the opposite of like, literally you wrote like a love letter mm-hmm. and you're talking your money and, you know, you're going about the house and, you know, walking around and going about your day. And, you know, like, oh, I hate you. Money's evil. You know, greedy people are, you know, they're all rich and, you know, they're just trying to screw people over and, you know, all this negative feed and energy. Right. And this is there's this direct correlation to like the way that that energy is going towards that money. It has the opposite effect when you write a love letter, because now we're showing appreciation for it. And there, there's so many key phrases you said in the in this letter. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Because of that, your, your your mindset starts to shift in how you're looking at things. You're renaming it. It's almost like in a relationship when you're mm-hmm. saying like you're not you're not just friends anymore, right? When you meet somebody and then you're just like, hey, babe, sweetheart, right? Mm-hmm. All those loving, loving names. And so when we show this appreciation, and again, this is not about worshiping or idolizing money. This is about shifting the relationship and the words that you use and, and the energy that you bring into it. It's like you're putting out this energy saying, I appreciate you, money. I, I, I appreciate what you can do for me, the things that I can buy, the things that enable me to have things that will bring joy into my life. And we're saying that I want more of that. I want more of that to come in. Now, if, if it's the opposite and we're, and we're constantly saying things like, I hate this. I can't believe I have to buy this. This is so difficult. Even when I say it, energetically and physically it has such a heaviness to it and you know even in the bible we talk about there's a you know scripture says you know life and death are in the power of the tongue Mm -hmm. even in the bible it talks about you know the words that you use are so powerful you can either breathe life into the relationship or you can kill it same idea when you're when you are in a relationship whether it's a romantic one or with a child or parent a friend the the way that you talk to that person dramatically affects like you know, how, how they react to you. And so if we're constantly saying these negative things to a friend, do you think they're going to want to hang out? They're just like, screw you. I don't want to be around you. You suck and you're mean. And it's mm-hmm. the same idea with money. You talked about like, you know, this energy, then money, then you start to, you have to really take a look at the things that you say. What is the result? What do you see happening? Even if you want to look at your bank account, your statements, like, do you see that it's always, you know, you're, you're running in the red or you're, you're feeling like you're in this lack because you could be saying negative things. And so it's really, really important to understand the power of writing this letter is showing this appreciation and awareness and that you are acknowledging the things that money can do for you in a positive light. It, it's so huge to, to go through that exercise because, again, it's like one of those things which you don't you don't think about until you sit down and consciously think about how do I talk to my money? How do I treat it? How do I look at it? It's not until you become mindful and aware of the things that you're doing and saying that you can even make those changes because like lemmings, you know, we're just kind of going about without intention. But when you can be intentional and really sit down and think about these things, that's when the change and shift in mindset and perception can take place. Mm -hmm. Where do you think this phrase money is evil really came from? I think (laughs) I hear that so often. And just for some of you, for context, you know, it's it's in scripture in the Bible. And the the true full phrase is the love of money is the root of all evil. So mm. I think throughout the years, that part in the beginning has fallen off, you know, like the telephone game. Mm-hmm. And so it became 
you know, money is the root of all evil, which is so not true. Because if that was true, then think about how can all these wonderful organizations, projects, things that help people, it requires money. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because even there's people in the church that misquote that scripture. And you think about it, it's like, really, if it's evil, then why do you ask for it every week? That's true. Right? If it's so evil, how are you going to fund projects? How are you going to feed homeless? How are you going to feed women and children, widows, all that? How can you fund that if you're seeing money's evil? I mean, it's, it's just so, <laughs> it's ridiculous when you think about it. It's not evil. It's a tool. It's a resource. It's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's, a, you know, it's so crazy how it's been misinterpreted and, and misquoted over the years. But that's where it came from. Yeah. Do you ever find it challenging to talk about your own financial challenges, not only with yourself, but like anyone else? Not, not so much. For me, I would say I'm, I'm very open and mm -hmm. um, you know, I love uh, talking about where I've fallen and made mistakes because I know it helps other people. And especially when I'm coaching people, they, they people appreciate it when we can be honest and vulnerable and explain like, hey, you know what? You're not crazy. Listen, I know that this situation looks really messed up right now and it's confusing and it's scary or whatever it is that you're going through. But I always want to instill hope that like, you know, I've been there. I've been there and I understand. But you know, and, and there's some things that I'm still, you know, in, in works and in progress of. And it's okay. We all make mistakes. We live here on planet Earth. That's what happens. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's what's so crazy. I think sometimes as coaches, some people feel like they have to be perfect. And that's so not true because everybody can learn from people's experiences and mistakes. And the best thing that I've seen in, in being able to share those stories is pe people are, you know, in the sessions just like, oh my gosh, thank you. I feel so much better because now there's a sense of like, I'm not alone. I'm not a total, you know, F up or, or whatever they've been saying about themselves. And they and then, you know, there's this encouraging hope that they realize like, I can do better. I can change this. It's not the end of the world. And so when I see that, it just makes me realize like, yeah, this is something that we have to start talking more about because as a society, we've been told like, oh, money's taboo. You're not supposed to talk about that. You're not supposed to talk mm -hmm. about religion, politics and money. And it's like, no, we have to start having conversations and start moving away from these things that we've been deeming as taboo. Because here's the thing, if we don't talk about it, when are you going to talk about it? When you're already in the disaster, mm -hmm. why not be proactive so you don't have to be reactive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think this whole concept of a, it's just part of the human experience. At least that's what my journey has been is that there have been times where I didn't have it. There have been times where I have been in the middle of the disaster or crisis, whichever way you want to label it. But I, I think what, for me, the biggest things that I've learned throughout the journey is A, like better understanding the flow of it all. Yeah. And then B, whenever I need help, whatever that help looks like, just asking for help. And, you know, there, there are many situations I think I've also learned from um, sometimes it's uncomfortable to ask for help, especially I think when it comes to like personal, but outside of it, it's like, how else do you solve it? You know, how else do you get out of the, whatever that crisis situation may be like, so you can take some time and, and focus on, like you said, more proactive approaches to it all. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think if anything, what I aspire and try to be more of is less judgmental when it comes to people's circumstances because not everyone faces the same exact thing yeah um and at the end of the day not everyone has the courage to really tell someone like what's going on and why they're there to begin with yeah it, it, it's it's a very sensitive touchy subject um there's a lot of guilt and shame in these types of situations you know for example i share very often that I went through a divorce um, over a decade ago and it created a financial disaster for me. And for many, many years, there was a lot of guilt and shame and unforgiveness. And those are one of the things, you know, we talked about, you know, what are some concrete things people can do? I think one of the most healthy, important things that a person can do is to have financial forgiveness is which I call it is that 
if there's something that happened in the past, whether it was your own direct fault or not, or something happened to you and we're harboring anger towards somebody else, it is so important to forgive. When we harbor unforgiveness within us, that unforgiveness is has been linked to cancer. It, it, you know, it's just that negative energy that we're keeping inside. And yet, you know, one of the exercises I have people do is like, you know, think about when you're angry and you make a fit and you're just like, you're I'm so freaking pissed, right? And you're just hanging on to it. And like, well, they did that to me. And if you're hanging on to this so tightly, you're, you're not even releasing any energy and there's no open hand waiting for other blessings and prosperity and abundance to come in because you're so busy just hanging on to all that unforgiveness and anger. Mm -hmm. And so something that is so powerful is to learn to release that. And it takes a while. I'm not saying forget it. I'm not saying because people are like, well, they hurt me. I'm not going to forget that. No, I'm not saying to forget it. I'm saying to release the anger and, and learn how to forgive. It's good to remember. It's good to not forget because those things are experiences and lessons that help you be prepared for the next time you find yourself in a similar situation or circumstance. So you know how to better be prepared, how to better approach it, because now you have been there, you learn the lesson. And that's the thing that we need to remember that you learn the lesson so that you don't repeat it and find yourself in that same situation. But that is so important because when it comes to money mindset and your relationship with money too, too often, we are holding on to a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of guilt and shame of the mistakes that we've made. And a lot of people cannot move forward because they're so busy beating themselves up instead of focusing on what can I do better today? Mm -hmm. Who did you have to forgive in your life? My ex-husband. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the people. Another person I have not so I wouldn't say forgive because I don't have a, a ton of anger about the money situation, but I would say mm -hmm. it's my mom. And, you know, this is something when you're talking about, you know, when your friend was talking about, even if it was a few days ago, or if you go back into your childhood, what is something that you heard about money? And so I say my mom, because especially nowadays, I, I'm so much more consciously aware of it. She always asks about money, how much things cost in it's it, I, I cringe, like I have this negative, like, like, why do you ask all the time? And it, it's kind of irritating. And I realized that I picked up frugality, these, these, and, and that frugality isn't a bad thing, but in, in this situation, in my particular personal situation, I feel like it is because unlike most of the people that I end up helping or talking to about spending, <laughs> I actually have the opposite challenge where I have a problem buying things. Like I, it's it's because I've seen her be so frugal. Everything is expensive. You can only buy things when it's on sale. If I tell her like how much something costs, it's like you know, oh my goodness, that that much? It's not on sale, and it's like, girl, not everything is always on sale that you have to buy it. But so it's don't get me wrong, people. I'm not saying being frugal and wise and prudent about purchasing and things like that is a bad thing. But when it becomes to the detriment of that, you start to look at other things that bring you joy in a negative light. Like for example, um, I don't advise people like, you know, if, especially if you're not like, you know, starving and you're, you know, you're, you're barely surviving. But I'm, I mean, there's, there are other gurus out there who say like, you know, don't buy that latte, don't buy that coffee, don't do this, right? And you've seen that kind of advice. And I just don't, I don't, I don't like that because if that special cappuccino latte, whatever it is, brings you joy, and you're not busting your budget and you're still paying your, go have at it. You know, things like that. Or if you want to get a massage and you can do it and it costs you $160 and you want to do it once a month, that's totally fine because it's so important for us to recognize it's okay to engage in buying these things that bring joy into our life. Because if it's only going to come down to only paying bills and, and only cutting coupons and it, that's not living. That's mm -hmm. not living. And it's it's almost this this um this perception that you can't enjoy life. And, and so I, I you know, so I share that story with my mom because I realized I've had to like fight against that, that it's okay to buy things that are not on sale or buy things that are like a nice luxury item and I'm not bright, you know, breaking the bank or you know, you know, totally destroying my budget or things like that. So 
again, so that's an example of the opposite effect. But still, as you can see in my own story, growing up, I had to recognize like, oh my gosh, that's where that came from. Because I will notice when somebody says like they bought a nice purse and I'm talking like, you know, like a 200, 300, you know, even 2000 designer bag. I can feel this energy in me go like, oh my gosh, you spent that much. Like, I don't say that, but in my mind, I'm thinking it. And I immediately remember, I know where that came from. Mm -hmm. How do you mitigate risk when it comes to this mindset of understanding money as an energy source and knowing that if you, if you think within certain patterns and approach it from a particular lens, it'll come more of it will come into your life and then, you know, leave. Where does the risk component come into that? Like, how does that even register? So when you're talking about risk, are you talking about like, not have this like false sense of like, oh, oh it's all just going to come in. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, I love this question because there's two components when it comes to the relationship with money. So earlier I, I talked about being a financial advisor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a money financial coach. And so, yes, there's the mindset component. But it also does need to be backed up by the logistics again. So the logistics is the are you staying immersed in financial education? Are you involved in conversations? Do you listen to podcasts or shows that talk about money? Are you working with somebody that can be a mentor, a coach, an advisor? And so all those things can help mitigate the risk because you can't just do like, you know, I'm just going to manifest it. I'm just going to have like money rain down and it's just all, you know, I'm just going to have all this positive energy and the money just going to come my way. I'm not saying that that can't happen, but there still has to be the logistical part of it where you are planning properly. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, you know, wave your magic wand and meditate and close your eyes. That's part of it. But yes, you have to still create a plan. You still need to create a spending plan, a budget, whatever you want to call it. It's the same thing. You still have to take a, a look at, you know, where, what are you investing in? Have you identified your short term, midterm, long term goals? Have you have you taken a look at where you're putting the money? What is the return? What is it all doing for you? Are you putting the money in the right place? Are you establishing the right things? You know, like, for example, insurance, estate planning, power of attorney. So there has to still be this component of proper planning and, you know, money management. It's it's but but it does dramatically help that you are doing all of it. You have the mindset to go along with the planning, because I'll tell you, there are people that even this is an interesting concept because there's sometimes people that may think like, oh, somebody has a ton of money. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that sometimes that's like the weirdest situations, because like, for example, I had a client long time ago. Uh, he was a doctor making about 400,000 a year and had nothing spent all of it, had no insurance, no plan, had a family. And I'm just thinking like, this is a, this is a disaster waiting to happen. So don't, don't automatically think just because somebody has a lot of money that they're set. It's the craziest thing. It's just because we don't learn this in school. It's like I said, it's like reverse engineering. You get to a point, you realize like, I don't know what I'm doing. I never thought about having a relationship with money. I never thought about, I really need to start planning what I'm doing with it. I'm just spending it. I don't know where it's going. So you have to have both because if you're just doing the planning or you try to do the planning, but you haven't addressed your money mindset or you haven't addressed the relationship with you have with money, people that are only doing the planning might find themselves like, I, I just can't stick to it. I keep spending or I'm so afraid of, putting the money somewhere because there's there's also those different fears that people grew up with, especially if they saw their parents having a very difficult time spending or trusting people with their money. So people will tend to just stash the money in cash under their bed. I'm telling you, it's I've seen it all. In a shoebox. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I'm like, you know, there are banks and they just they're so distrusting because of something that happened to them. So, you know, it, even if somebody has money, even if they, you know, they have a high income salary or something like that, it doesn't matter. It has to both need to take place in order to maximize, you know, return, maximize the plan as well as mitigating the risk. Do you have any fears around money or are there any areas that you choose to second guess right now and knowing what you know? Um, you know, for me, I would say right off the bat, it's, it's trusting 
trusting yourself because there's this weird balance, right? Like kind of like the last thing that we just talked about where I know it's not just waving a magic wand and meditating, (laughs) (laughs) but then, but I know what we're doing and I know the exercises, right? And then there's a side of it like, okay, I'm looking at the spreadsheet. I'm looking at the numbers. And so here, here's an example, because, you know, you, you've done coaching and whatnot and speaking. And there was this instance uh, a couple months ago, actually, and it's especially with pricing. And this is kind of what has to do with money mindset. So there was a particular client that wanted to do a project. And I remember analyzing, I, I brought in a partner and her and I were having this conversation. She's also a coach. And we were at that point where we were realizing, OK, well, what are we going to charge? So we, we separated and we're like, okay, figure out your part. I'll figure out my part. And we knew the roundabout quote that we were giving this, this potential client. And when we did the math and we came back together, we're like, well, you know, this is where she's at, but this is how much the work is going to really be valued at. And then we said, we, we had to kind of make a, make a pact to one another and say, we have to trust in our skills. We have to trust in our ability. If we go lower, and provide the value at a higher point Mm -hmm. than what we're valuing it at, I go, we're going to make like two bucks. And it was one of those moments. And then, you know, it's kind of like, well, I, you know, I, I, yeah, heck, the money would be great. (laughs) You don't want to give it up. But then at the same time, you don't want to say yes to situations where you're doing the work. And so what ended up happening was I said, I don't want us to go into this with this yucky negative feeling no money is worth that and so it was that money mindset that had to come in and be like trust trust and stick to your guns know your value know your worth and understand like and then back it up with numbers and back it up with how much that work is going to take in terms of hours and how much time and effort and energy and all those things and i told my partner i said i told her if she doesn't bite be willing to walk away from this because I am not lowballing it. I'm not going to do that to us. Mm. So it was that's that's what I'm saying. It was that trust. It was that trusting yourself and knowing your worth. And it doesn't have to necessarily be in you know a work situation, but just that idea of having to trust yourself and be putting out that energy out there. That look, I trust myself. Bring opportunities to me that show me that I value my work, I value my time, I value who I am as a person and what I can bring to the table and how I can serve and help other people. And so we're like, okay, let's do it. We settled on a number and it was so quick. I'm telling you that, you know, sometimes those emails, you're like, gosh, they haven't gone back to me. I'm telling you, it was like a couple hours that same day we sent it out and I was busy, but my partner, she she saw, she was like, hey, she said, let's go. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I was, and that was such a big lesson for me that it's so it's one of those things you already know, but when you're really in the thick of it and you are putting yourself in that situation, you realize like you are powerful. You are so powerful, but if you don't allow yourself to be trusting yourself, you're going to block that blessing. You're going to block those opportunities. And I'm telling you, you know, it, it's kind of similar what you experienced when you did your spreadsheet mm-hmm. and you renamed it it was like things started coming in. I started laughing because I said, this is what can happen. When Mm. you say yes to yourself, you're saying yes to God. You're saying yes to the universe. You're saying yes to like, I value my worth, myself, all these things, like bring more of it to me because I'm not saying, well, let's just go down here and, you know, charge a hundred bucks. Not that it was that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, because then you're saying like, okay, well then let's, let's get all the people who want to charge fiber pricing, you know, and, and like, you know, value devaluing yourself. And it was this amazing lesson that I never will forget that I realized like step into that, what your worth is and, and stick to it and, and go into it with confidence and, and go into it knowing like if that person says no, that it's okay that you can walk away from that and realize like, I feel good. And that was the thing too, because it could have gone the other way, but I also had to mentally prepare myself and say, it wasn't meant to be another, because if that happened and it wasn't under the ideal circumstances, I could have been busy on that project, miserable, realizing we're making like two bucks an hour on it. Mm -hmm. And then I wouldn't be freed up to do other things that could have come my way. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So how do you approach situations then when you have this particular mindset that you described where you have a specific amount that you charge per hour, mm -hmm. per project, whatever it is, but then also be open to other opportunities? Like what do you personally choose to evaluate? Let's say if someone is not able to meet the $5,000 an hour or whatever the rate is, but yet that you feel like that particular connection can turn into something else down the road or that there are other ways that you might be able to, I don't know if maximize the right word, but let's use it for this case, like maximize that opportunity and leverage it so we can help you get into a space that you may not have been before. Do you approach yeah. through that lens or, or are you just like, hey, this, this is, is the point <laughs> and if you don't meet me there, I just move on to the next one. No, I, I, that's a great question. Actually, that happened uh, last month. That happened last month. And, you know, when you have that opportunity to have that, you know, okay, let's just get on the call and, and get a, you know, let's have a chat. And I look at where that person is in terms of their spirit, their heart, their character. You know, I, I you can you can tell when somebody's really serious about changing their situation or eh, let me just see what this is about. And you can you can gauge their level of commitment or lack of, right? And so if somebody is in a situation where I can tell they really want to change this mm -hmm. and I will, I will suggest different things like, okay, well, why don't we do this? Does this work for you? And a lot of times it, it will work out that way. So, you know, like even this other client, that story I told you with the partner I had, um, she, she told us the, her, her budget was, and I said, okay, well then we'll just adjust this. We will, we'll have to take out this component, but it doesn't sound like that's the most important thing to you. So it became kind of like an a la carte thing. And mm -hmm. so depending on who it is, you know, I, I, I have done that because I really want to help that person. I don't want to leave them hanging. But again, it's one of those things like I'm not going to bring it down to like <laughs> nothing because it has to. It, I, I really, truly believe it has to be a win win situation for both people involved, because as soon as you start having that negative energy coming in, like, oh, gosh, I got this call like it's like I'm not even making it. I don't want that energy. I, I mm -hmm. want to be be able to be present and give my best and give my all to the, the, the person I'm talking to and helping. And it's, if, if you don't set it up correctly and you don't set those parameters for both of you, then you're then you're leaving it open to bringing that kind of yuckiness into it. And I, I just want to avoid all that because I never want to go into a situation feeling like, oh, great, that coaching sessions right now. You know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I, I look at those things, I but it, it, it has to come down to what is the commitment level of that person so I can gauge, you know, is this worthy for me to like, hey, let me see how we can help each other or how how can I help you based on what you need and what you can do? Do you meditate around the concept of money? I do. I meditate on that and, and other things. And I it's part of my my morning routine. Yeah. Can you can you share briefly, like, what are some prompts or affirmations or different things that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I love that you said that you were starting this too. You know, one of the things when you're when you're doing the meditation or affirmations or, or whatever it is, you know, some of the things that are really important to think about are again, when we talked about the words that you're using, be mm -hmm. very, very careful how you're saying things. Does it sound like it's way in the future or are you talking in the present? You know, so for example, I excuse me, money comes to me easily right now. Or, or are you saying things like, oh, you know, I hope that I'll have a lot of money later on, you know, and, you know, even as I'm saying it right now, there's a different energy to it. Mm -hmm. So you have to speak as if it's in the present time, not only that, but be as colorful and descriptive and exciting in terms of how you're saying it, because the more that that picture can be vivid, the more that you can feel it, the more that it becomes ingrained into your thoughts and in your mind. And I know sometimes it can feel like this is so hokey, like this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna lie, in the beginning, it can feel like this is so lame, like, cause it's not mm -hmm. happening right now, but it's this reprogramming. It's reprogramming mm -hmm. your mind and you have to repeat it. It's not like you just go, okay, I'm just gonna read this. Okay, it didn't work. It doesn't mm -hmm. work like that. It's this daily practice. It's this thing that you have to be very careful how you're saying the words. Are you speaking in present tense? Do not use negative words. Your mind cannot process the negative. So you don't say anything negative like, I don't want to be broke. 
if you say that, you're saying the negative word don't, you're saying the word broke, and your mind's like, oh, okay, well, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to be very careful of the phrases. And, you know, there's, I have a list of some and I'm happy to share it. Uh, you know, so those are things that you have to be very careful of what you're saying. Is it in the negative? Are you using don't in, in, in the negative words like broke or in debt? It's like, no, mm-hmm. you flip it, flip it, flip it around. And, and so these, these are, these are things that are very helpful to understand that, you know, when you start talking about these things and start imagining it and, and really feeling the energy behind it, you, you it, again, it's, and it, it can be weird. It, it, it does take practice because I, I'm, I'm, I'm still not going to lie to you. I can feel like, what the heck is this? <laughs> I'm just chanting some crazy thing, but no, I mean, it's, it's no different when you pray. You're praying, mm-hmm. it's meditating. You're, you're, you're speaking life and you're speaking, you're speaking these things and declaring it into existence. And the part that can be strange sometimes is when you feel like you don't believe it. You might have this imposter syndrome. You might feel like, well, it's not happening. But you know, this is why, again, it takes practice and that you, you know, there's ways to rephrase it where you're just like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards be, making better choices. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's, if it's so direct, some people might feel like, well, I don't believe it because that's not really happening right now. Mm-hmm. So that could be like an intermediary step where you're like you're working on it, and that's present. Yeah. Do you use sounds? Do you use like insight timer or anything like that, or is it just you sit down and you're at a point where you don't really need any additional um, things to help you get in the zone? I'm at a point where I can kind of gauge how long I've been sitting. It's about 30 minutes, <laughs> but there's a whole, there's a whole structure that I go through when I'm praying and meditating. And, and, and I know when, where I'm at at some point, I mean, it might deviate five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to use, you know, music or, you know, spa type of sounds, that's totally fine. I can't do it. I try, mm-hmm. I get distracted. I start listening to the music. I used to play piano. So then I start, I start, counting the music in my head and it's, <laughs> music, music becomes a distraction versus relaxing so for me personally i have to do these things in complete silence i don't fall asleep but that's my preference some people do need that music do what works for you do it in you know do it in a way where your environment is conducive to it like i have to do it early 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 i'm talking like 4 34 in the morning because my kid's not awake. It's dead silence. There's no cars driving by. I don't hear the lawnmower. <laughs> it's tough. Nothing. I need complete silence. And I really can get into that zone when, it, when I do it in the morning. But some people are not morning people. Do it at night. I would fall asleep if I try to do it before I go to bed. So you have to find what works for you. And, and but, but be very mindful and careful of being able to create that environment that's conducive to you being in there, because if you're getting distracted and then you're getting interrupted, like that's disrupting your, you know, that time for you to give to yourself to reprogram your thoughts and your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Do you have a list of these affirmations and these prompts like on your website or anywhere that people can find it? I will share it with you. Yeah, I have a, I have a list of some, some of my favorite ones and I will definitely give it to you so you can share that with your Awesome. People. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the polar up. I'm just complete opposite when it comes to, you know, the meditation practice, I found it very difficult to be able to just sit there on my own, like, insight, insight timer has truly changed my life and saved, you know, that particular practices, because then I can listen to nature or birds Mm -hmm. or whatever, like that helps me. Yeah, you know, to get in the zone more the other way around when my friends and I would do this and they would just sit down and they're able to get in the zone. I just always curious, like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> how do you do this? I'd be like, how do you do it? Because I'd be listening to the birds and I'd be like, oh, I'm in a forest. And I can imagine myself looking at a tree with the birds. See, that's where my mind goes. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not listening to what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge, you know, and, and I think what you pointed out as far as do whatever works for you. I think that's probably the best advice that I've ever received because it's whatever. (laughs) And even the same thing with what we're sharing right now, some of these things may work for you. Some of these things may not work. I think it's more so just finding the balance. Like who, who do you listen to for X, Y, and Z? And who do you go for ABC and all these other things? 
and then somehow being able to combine it and formulate its own plan around whatever works best. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, before I forget, there was this really great tip. I don't know if you call it a tip that I learned mm -hmm. a couple years ago. And I, I, I thought this was so interesting. So alongside the letter that you wrote, another thing that I learned also was if this is, if we're talking about your relationship with money, mm -hmm. how are you treating your money? And when I'm talking about how you treating your money, I'm talking about literally physically. So what do I mean by that? So this is what I, here's another challenge and exercise you all can do. I want you to take a look at your wallet. Mm -hmm. Where do you put the money? Does that wallet look all jacked up and falling apart? Leather is the pieces are coming mm -hmm. down and, and you know, the strap is already broken. The zipper's busted. Do you take your dollar bills if you carry cash and just stuff it in there and it's not folded neatly? Are your credit cards all mixed up, not in the right com you know, compartments? And that was something that another, you know, my uh, money coach was talking about. And I was like, I never looked at it that way. And so that is something I would challenge all of you all to, to analyze, you know, what, what does your wallet or your purse look like? And if it's in your budget or, I, you know, if you can save for it, if you don't have the money now, I would encourage you to invest into a nice wallet because mm. you taking care, I'm talking like $150 wallet or more, mm -hmm. not some cheap thing that, you know, like, oh, this will do. And I, again, remember I told you earlier that I had that issue. So luckily for me, I, I was gifted a coach wallet. <laughs> for my birthday a couple of years ago. But you know, I, I when I was going when I was listening to this exercise, I realized, you know, I would have invested in that. Because you're saying that you respect the money, again, in a healthy way, I'm not talking about your idolizing it, because I know some church people look like, oh, she's talking about idolatry. I'm not talking about that. This is about you even just taking care of your things. And not being, you know, I'm just gonna shove the bills and now I get that we do that when you're in a hurry. You don't wanna be that guy at the register holding up the line because you're trying to organize it. But I'm saying, like, how are you housing the money? Is it in a ratted, messed up wallet? Are the bills nice and even? Is it all facing the right way? You know, that is you telling money that I value you, mm -hmm. I value what you do for me, and I'm going to treat you well because I'm gonna put it in a nice wallet. Imagine, you know, going back to if it's a person that you're having a relationship with, do you take a birthday card or a Valentine's card that they gave you and you throw it in the kitchen drawer? <laughs> That's the same kind of idea, right? How would you feel if you saw a beautiful, especially if you made a handmade card mm -hmm. and they just tossed it in the kitchen junk drawer or they, you know, was there on the pile of the junk mail? Or do you take that card and you see it on their dresser and they saved it? It's nice and neat and on display because they are so happy that you express your love to them. And so mm -hmm. even energetically, you can see how that feels so differently and it's no different with your money. How are you housing it? So pay attention to that as well. And if you need a new wallet, like I encourage you, go get it. And mm -hmm. Save up for it if you, if you don't have the money. But yes, that's, that was another thing that I had learned. I was like, wow, that's actually, that's actually powerful. Do you talk about a lot of this through your book? I know that you have a book that you, how long ago has it been? Since you published so it? The last book was uh, almost about a year ago. But no, that one is actually more practical. I didn't mm -hmm. go too much in the money mindset. So, but now you got me an idea. Like, I should, I should go into that. There you <laughs> go. I got so burnt out after that one. <laughs> but yeah. It's a yeah. challenge to write a book. It's a challenging process. Yeah. Cause aren't you going through that yourself? Oh, yeah. Like having to, it's not only about like sitting down with one's own thoughts and things but like organizing that information yeah you know because in your mind it, it just makes sense like oh this happened this happened and then this happened but the reality of the matter is between this and that there were 15 years yeah. so like what happened there you know how did you get so the it it's a challenging process to be able to articulate the journey in a way that makes sense to someone else other than yourself at least for me that's been the challenge Exactly. And then sometimes you wonder during like that gap, you're realizing, well, how much information should I include? So it's, they don't get lost. <laughs> and yeah. then I've seen other authors where they're able to just very, very well done. They'll put a sentence that takes me back to the point they made, but they didn't have to give me three pages of intro on it. Yeah. And that was something that I'm just like, I got to get to that because easily I can just go on and do a five page setup for the story when really it needed to only be three sentences and still make sense out of the context. <laughs> so it's, 
it is a it is very very challenging when it comes down especially the editing and what to include and what not to include can people find that book on your website uh yeah actually yes they can and um you can also go to amazon yeah okay right and what what else do you have coming up that people can be a part of any workshops anything like that Yes, actually, with Summer, Dr. Summer Watson, my partner that introduced the both of us, uh, we actually, not only do we have our show, but we also have a group uh, called the Life, Love, and Money Collective. And so um, right now, if you would love to join our community, um, I can set, share the links as well. And uh, we'd love to have you in there. And we have some amazing uh, things coming up in a group coaching uh, program. So that's what we have going on. And it's uh, one of our main focuses. That's awesome. Jen, thank you so much for being a part of this and coming on here, sharing everything that you do. And I'm just, I'm grateful that you and I have been connected for however long by now and just being able to come together and collaborate and add value to each other's lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.